0: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rojas Report. Uh, First thing I want to do is let everybody know who's joining live. Uh, First of all, thank you for joining live. Um, But let me know if you can hear me okay or if we have any audio issues because this is the second time I'm doing a live audio, and I want to make sure that it works all right. So any feedback? Of course, uh, if you're joining live, you have the advantage of being able to ask questions share comments while we were are are doing the show and uh of course i'll be able to answer those questions and uh share your comments and talk about those and that makes it a lot of fun uh those who can watch live are the intergalactic planetary patrons that uh join on patreon otherwise on Patreon, you can get for only $1. fifty a month, which helps me keep doing this. You can get the audio for all of the shows. And the cool thing is, is if you're a podcaster, that's the pod people level, you are provided an RSS link that you plug that into your favorite podcast tool, and then it'll download the shows for you. It's the only way, really, if you're a podcast people patron to get all the shows downloaded to your phone. Uh, you can also, of course, get that right at Patreon. Of course, the video that we're recording right now, you'll be able to watch those in our YouTube archives if you're a subscriber there. So that's how that all works. All right. So the show today is very exciting. I've got Chris Mellon. And Chris Mellon is an important character because he... Um, is part of to the stars he's uh, part of the board of advisors and he has an incredible background he belongs to the mellon family so mellon banks you know that's uh, his family he's a former united states deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence and more importantly for what we'll be talking about today He formerly served as the staff director of the United States Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Why is that particular piece of news important? Because it is the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, the SSCI, that recently, as part of the annual Intelligence Authorization Bill, is requesting of many military intelligence agencies that they provide UAP or UFO reports. Pretty extraordinary. In this request, they actually call out an organization called the UAP Task Force. And uh, they indicate by this request that, uh, you know, this is a task force made up of many agencies and that uh, military organizations. I'm just kind of laughing right now because I just noticed in my background, I have kind of a mess. I've had some guests this week and I guess I didn't clean up my set. Forgot to do that. Sorry about that. Plus I'm busy putting together some stories related to this interview that I'm about to share with all of you right now. Um, Let's see some other information that will be important before we get into this. Uh, it's just, I guess, some of the other characters, if you're not aware. So, uh, for example, we'll be referring to Lou Elizondo quite a bit. Lou Elizondo used to work for the Pentagon and the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program called ATIP. Uh, he was working in OSD, the Office of the Secretary of Defense, as a uh, intelligence officer there. He was working primarily on terrorist and inter- counterintelligence with terrorists, uh, that sort of thing. But uh, he was also working this kind of portfolio on UFO and research regarding military cases called ATEP. Uh, he also says there were others involved with that, and that that program continues. Although the DoD has said funding for that program ran from 2007 to 2012, and that the program did not continue. However. This request by the Senate um, Senate Committee on Intelligence intelligence demonstrates that that committee or that group um, has continued and that UAP research goes on. The SSCI actually kind of called out the ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence, to kind of coordinate this and is kind of you know p- making them calling them out or making it seem as they're kind of an overseer of this group, of which they are. And from what I understand, the reason it's not just OSD and now it's ONI that is kind of seeing things over is that many of these cases that have come forward and these witnesses, uh, credible military witnesses that have been briefing the um, Senate senators and Congress people and military leaders and others. Our military are Navy witnesses, so Navy jet pilots, that sort of thing. Um, of course, if you've watched Histories Unidentified, you've seen many of this. If you follow my work, you'll know that uh, you know there have been several articles throughout the last few years in the New York Times and Politico and Washington Post and all over the place covering all of these great c- cases. And All the controversies that are surrounding them and we will cover a couple of those with Chris Mellon so this interview I was only able to get audio and uh, It runs about 19 minutes and some of the questions Maybe you'll recognize because I did take a couple questions from um, my audience here and especially my patreon patrons and in fact I should Give a shout out because one of the people who made all of this uh, Senate Intelligence Committee news is Steve McDaniel, who is there in our uh, chat group here live, and uh, he actually found that report. Um, and I should say it's kind of interesting. He just went into a government database, you know, on the internet and looked for UAP information, and he found this request from the the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. So. Then that got out there, and uh, that's make news all over the place. So, no problem, Steve. Of course, I'll mention you. Give credit. And also, Danny Silva actually saw Steve McDaniel write about this or tweet about it. He wrote up something, and that's actually what Politico saw. Brian Bender, who we interviewed last week, you might have got that one. But that's what Brian Bender saw and why he wrote the political article that uh, made this news all over the place. And of course, it is incredible news. And maybe if you're new to UFOs, it's going to be important to kind of understand that as well. I'm going to take these off. I'm getting an echo. That's why I keep stuttering here. But why is that news? Why is that so important? Well, since 1969, the U.S. Air Force and the rest of the government has said they don't have nor do they want anything to do with UFOs. In fact, even myself covering stories um, and uh, just doing research or even as a field investigator for the Mutual UFO Network, when you call the FAA or the Air Force, they tell you, oh, we're not really interested. Uh, we haven't cared about ufos since 1969 and they send you a fact sheet that tells you all about project blue book and why they don't regard ufos as anything big even though through the last few decades people like john greenwald of the black vault have done FOIA requests including myself and others where we've uncovered documents that show there have been ufo incidents that have been taken seriously but yet we go to the government to get more information and they say no we don't care about ufos So that has been, we've known false. Unfortunately, the media hasn't really picked that up uh, and ran with it. It's been considered more of a conspiracy theory. But now we know that uh, since 2007, they have been interested in UFOs and they have been actively investigating those and even having agencies or programs like ATIP that have been doing that. So essentially we've been being lied to, surprise, surprise, all of this time. And so this is big news. And I guess I will let Chris get into some of the details as to why the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence has also felt that this is big news. So let's take a listen. Like I said, this is audio. I was only given permission to do an audio interview, which I'm more than happy to get since uh, that's all I have availability to but, uh, and it's better than nothing, but let's listen in and then we'll share kind of my analysis of what Chris is talking about. And we'll take some questions from those of you who are live in the chat and comments as well. So let me put my headphones back on. You're gonna have to watch me while we listen here, but maybe I'll have some reactions that you might find interesting. All right, here we go. And in the chat, make sure and let me know if you can hear this all right.
1: The first question is, "When did you first
2: discover ATIP? Did I first discover it? I think I probably first learned about ATIP in 2017, I would guess. I don't recall precisely. I'd have to go back through calendars or something. I was not part of the program. Mhm.
1: When you first started, uh, when you first discovered them and I guess started working with Louise Elizondo, were you able to join any of the meetings with their senior leadership? Yes. Mm -hmm. What was that like? I know you've had a long time interest in this topic. Was it surprising that uh, this organization
2: existed? Yeah, I was surprised because I was involved in, um, I had my hand in uh, uh, pretty much all the um, spooky stuff when I was there, and there didn't seem to be anything uh, going on in this particular topic. And it was something that I was had always been interested in. So um, I was I was surprised to see they had anything uh, organized at all. But more than that, I was shocked that um, such a this little effort was being made, and to understand is that our Navy pilots were getting so little support. And so, what I tried to do was introduce Lou to some very senior people in the department that I knew, um, that I had connections to, who were very close to the Secretary of Defense, to try to get this on the Secretary's um, radar. And um, you know, that's a, a, another story unto itself. But uh, when that and that didn't pan out, ultimately. Lou faced the choice uh, between essentially uh, living with an inadequate program or throwing in the towel or going public to try to uh, inform the public in Congress and help make something happen. Which it essentially happened. That- yeah, we had a strategy uh, from the outset and a, and a plan before he even left, we discussed what that would, uh, would look like, and um, we've been executing on it ever since.
1: Your help and um, kind of an unconventional way of going about things now with the Senate uh requesting these UAP reports is this pretty much. Do you feel vindication for for Lou's efforts? Because he put a, a lot of a lot on the line.
2: Yeah, I do. I feel. Um, It's very gratifying. Um, What what motivated me to a great degree, and Lou, I was outraged, just outraged that that these military pilots were not getting more support, and the intelligence community was completely unresponsive and completely dropping the ball. I mean, it could be Russian, it could be Chinese, it could be something else, whatever it is, our pilots, if we have an intelligence community for a reason, uh, partly to support our military, um, partly to avoid strategic surprise, and the intelligence community was failing on both counts, just flat out. And as a member of the intelligence community and somebody who cares about national security, I was appalled and um, determined to see if I could do something to help fix that problem. And uh, so Lou and I were, were on the same page there, and it's worth noting that that he did try it. I tried to help him to work through the system first, and some um, some meetings were held, and uh, more briefings were held, and so forth. But ultimately, it proved um, impossible to to get this in front of uh, the secretary, and people were still afraid to touch it and afraid to let the secretary even be exposed to the issue. They were were afraid that even a a mere briefing for him would somehow taint him or compromise his his sterling reputation.
1: With the the Senate Intelligence Committee asking for these reports, does this demonstrate, you know, that they were essentially wrong, that um, there was much more credible interest than perhaps they, they were aware of?
2: Well, it, the Senate Intelligence Committee and, and some other committees, since uh, this issue um, got some press attention, uh, since our show "Unidentified" started, uh, since the New York Times article appeared, my op-ed in the Washington Post with another video, and and so forth. Um, that first of all engaged the Navy and uh, required the Navy to own up to the fact that this was real. They could, they couldn't any longer deny it when they had active duty pilots and others, um, going on the record. And that also then led to the briefings for Congress. And ultimately, um, this, this report requirement, the report requirement is a, is a recognition that that there is something going on with national security ramifications. It has the, um, it's a forcing function that hopefully will force the executive branch to get its act together and pool all the intelligence regardless of which stovepipe it's in, which organization has it, and it establishes some accountability. And forces them to take a position in black and white, as opposed to just giving some briefings. Now they've actually got to take all the puzzle pieces they have, see if they can form a picture from them, and take a position on what that picture looks like and what should be done next. So it's it's a tremendous step forward, um, regardless of what the the phenomenon turns out to be in the end. Uh, at least now we we have a we can have some faith that that a serious effort is going to be made to fold um, and analyze the data, um, probably implement a new collection strategy um, in support of a, a validated requirement that didn't exist before. So it has a lot of uh, potential ramifications, all of them positive.
1: On season one of Identified, uh, you all brought witnesses to D.C. Uh, You personally wrote a Hill article about uh, the Senate making this sort of or Congress making this sort of request, and you have on the TTSA website some recommended verbiage. How influential would you say TTSA has been on this
2: effort by the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee? there's no doubt in my mind that um, that report requirement would not be in there, uh, wouldn't exist if we had not been engaged in uh, bringing witnesses forward and advocating this and writing about it and, uh, and so forth. So um, it also, you know, this is my old committee, right? I worked on that committee mm-hmm. for over a decade. Um, I still know people on the Hill, and um, uh, so there are some people there who, who are still there from when I serve, and um, because we work together and are friends and I don't abuse the privilege, they were willing to take my phone calls and and listen to what, uh, what we had to say. And so, uh, you know, I think uh, it wouldn't have happened without us, but... At the same time, you uh, know, it was largely just because the, the senators and staffers had been kept in the dark. Um, so, you know, once they got the information, I think that uh, you know, sort of naturally led them to um, to a place where where they recognize that um, that they need yet more information. There's some important unanswered questions here. In season two
1: of Unidentified, will we see you all working uh, further with military leaders and uh, lawmakers?
2: In in season two, you are going to see uh, a lot of uh, military personnel again. And you're going to see new accounts, new cases that have never been aired before, have never been seen or discussed, that are going to add to the picture. That, um, that we provided in Season 1, and I think they're going to add to the impetus um, and the, the need for Congress to be asking questions, and also will, uh, I think, begin to, to underscore the kinds of things that uh, or provide more reason to believe that a report of that nature uh, should be able to produce some, some very interesting findings. So, for example, in season two, we have a, a NORAD watch officer who tells a, a story, uh, an event he participated in firsthand, um, in which NORAD was trying to intercept a UFO. Uh, this was all the way up to the four-star level, and they were scrambling every jet they could get in the air. Um, this officer served there for you know a limited period of time, and that was back in the 90s. Um, but the fact that we now can demonstrate that that incidents like that have occurred, and that our aerospace uh, warning network has indeed picked up and tracked objects that um, do not behave like anything that uh, that we have in our inventory. Um, really adds to the, uh, I think, the logic of what we've been proposing and uh, to, to the hopefulness that uh, such a report will will indeed find um, a lot of information that, that needs to be assessed.
1: What is your sense of how motivated uh, some of the members of Congress are to get answers? So, for instance, if for some reason um, this question, this, this report request doesn't, finally make it into the final bill, do you think they'll pursue other avenues?
2: Yeah, I I would expect that uh, the report requirement will survive, first of all, um, although it might be modified to some degree. Um, the, the level of interest varies, of course, among members, but I think there is sufficient in, interest uh, among the chairman and vice chairman and some other key members, that um, that they will not be easily dissuaded from um, getting to the bottom of this one way or another. In your
1: suggested verbiage uh, for this request, you had stated that you felt that the, the classification should sit wherever uh, essentially the executive branch felt it should be at. But with this request, that uh, out by the senate intelligence committee they're asking for a public portion how significant is that
2: well i was very pleasantly surprised to see that they did that i didn't uh, didn't anticipate that um I, I think it's a good thing and um i know that that's an issue that some of the people who are um looking at this language in the executive branch are uncomfortable with most of those folks are just not used to, to doing anything at an unclassified level. And some of them are saying, you know, we can't do that or whatever. Um, I, I don't think that's, that's accurate. Um, it's just that, that those particular individuals uh, don't have much experience in that area. But the fact is, the um, director of national intelligence um, testifies um, in an open committee session every year on the, the greatest threats facing the United States. And he goes down you know a whole laundry list of things like weapons of mass destruction, China, cyber threats, and all of that is written by intelligence community personnel who are experts in those topics and have access to virtually all of the most highly classified information on those subjects and they're able to render it down to an unclassified level. So there's no reason why these folks couldn't also produce an unclassified report, um, but whether they will, uh, the committee will continue to insist on that or not, I don't know. I think there'll, there'll be some discussion back and forth on that. I don't know how it'll come, how it'll come out.
1: What do you expect to see or hope to see in these reports?
2: Well, I I just um, don't I don't want to um, try to uh, anticipate the outcome much. I think the most important thing is that they have a process with integrity and uh, a process that really effectively surfaces all the inf- relevant pertinent information it resides in so many independent locations from Army, Navy, Air Force, multiple intelligence Mm -hmm. agencies, FBI, and so forth. So if they follow the kind of rigorous process that is used to prepare national intelligence estimates, for example, which is quite thorough and systematic, then at the end of the day, we should get an assessment that is... uh, Fair and balanced, and based on uh, empirical data, uh, as well as uh, pilot reports, and you know that's that's probably the the best we can hope for.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier how you worked on the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, you were the staff director, and you worked when you did that with Senator John D. Rockefeller, whose uncle is famous for having an interest Lawrence Rockefeller for having an interest in UFOs and also working with the Clinton administration. Were you aware of that back then? And and did this influence your interest as well?
2: I was not um, really aware of that. We never discussed it, never came up and had no impact on, on anything.
1: In the intelligence committees that report requests, they call out in particular the FBI. Uh, but we really haven't heard from the Air Force uh, since all of this, not very much from the Air Force since uh, all this news has come out. So, why is the FBI called out not the Air Force or maybe even the CIA?
2: Um, well, they call out the, um, you know, all the different, not all of them, but they call out the major intelligence disciplines, um, the the Air Force, and um, Services are uh, need to be uh, covered by the language that's there. Um, the FBI. Um, many people don't realize that it's it's more than a law enforcement organization. It's also an intelligence organization, and they have a, a mission that's independent of of law enforcement. Which, uh, incidentally, was a <clears throat> an issue with regard to uh, the to General Flynn um, because the the administration was making the case that they didn't have a legitimate law enforcement reason for those interviews, um, seeming to uh, uh, ignore the fact that the the FBI has has another role and mission that's very important, um, which exists beyond that. So I think they wanted to make sure that that the FBI was going to, to be included and participate. So, this is
1: a question from some of my uh, listeners. They, uh, several of them asked this question along these lines, and I think it um, stems from Lou Elizondo saying on Fox News that he believed that uh, there could be, a, the government could have a piece of a crashed UFO essentially. They're asking, do you believe that to be the case? Do you think that uh, they've been able to retrieve uh, some sort of material?
2: Um, you know, that's a possibility, it's a possibility, we'll have to see.
1: Are there particular uh, people in Congress that you have been working with who seem to have uh, a higher interest than, than others?
2: There, there are some, uh, certainly, but I, I don't care to uh, identify anybody.
1: But I think that's really the extent of my questions for now. Okay thanks for all of the great information that you've been sharing and uh you've been really out there being uh, very open with the public about this and it's been very enlightening
2: well thank you very much alejandro it's it's a pleasure and i appreciate your interest very much
0: all right so acupunk you say that was ripe for a follow up and i would love to hear uh what you mean by that when you have a chance and we'll talk about it, but please do share your comments. And I'm going to go through uh, some of the notes here that I took that I thought was kind of interesting about what he said. Uh, And some of these you might recognize as your own questions. So the first thing that I felt was significant and interesting. uh, I mean, I felt he shared so much and he said a lot of great stuff. So let's see. Just to verify the SECDEF, the Secretary of Defense at the time of the failed attempt to get on the schedule was Mattis. Yes. That is correct. It was Mattis. Someone who uh, Lou Elizondo had served with and knew but he still couldn't get that information up to him which is interesting. We'll talk about that a little more too here in a second. But I thought Chris uh, Mellon's response for kind of his drive was really interesting. When he found about Out about ATIP. He felt he was surprised there was very little effort to look into the UAP issue, and he was very concerned, he even used the term outraged, that there was no support for Navy pilots uh, who were experiencing UFOs, and uh, he said that the intelligence community had completely dropped the ball. And I think he's 100% correct. What's really been strange about the last few decades uh, before, you know, the New York Times revealed the ATIP was this claim that they're not interested in UFOs and that they were not taking public uh, reports on UFOs, which seems to be completely ignorant, for lack of another term. It seems, you know, that they would completely not be doing their job in keeping people safe. I mean, why wouldn't you want to take reports of Something in the sky that is not identified that doesn't appear to be ours and follow up on that to make sure there are no incursions by Foreign, you know technology and uh, I think it's really interesting that uh, It just makes complete sense that this is something that Chris Mellon would be upset about because it's something I think it's strange that every citizen was not upset about instead this taboo worked to kind of have the public blinded to this uh issue that uh, you know the military's not caring about strange things in the sky really really weird uh so i think that's great that chris had that perspective also of interest is that chris helped his best to get lou elizondo two senior people uh In the government, he didn't specifically say what senior people, uh, but essentially he was trying to get help Lou get the information up the line to Mattis and uh, Lou Elizondo shared with me privately or not privately publicly in other interviews and with other people who have interviewed him that that's what he tried to do that he did try to get that information up the ladder, but no one was taking it seriously. In fact, Chris Mellon said that uh, Lou Elizonda was kind of left in this position when they failed to be able to get this information up the line. That he would either have to quit, have to just live with this inadequate, you know, kind of program where he was essentially muted and couldn't get these this important what he felt was vital intelligence up the line, um, or he would need to go public, which is a strategy that he and Chris kind of worked on together. And I think that there's an interesting part to that strategy too. But it's interesting that, you know, the secretary of defense who Adam, you know, just a- pointed out was uh, general Mattis. They were afraid that he would be exposed or that his reputation would be tainted. If he uh, had any sort of, you know, briefing on this matter, which just shows, you know, that there, the, the power of this taboo, And the reason I asked, you know, is Lou now vindicated because Lou did leave the government. He and Chris came up with a strategy to get this public, uh, which worked, which got the attention of the, eventually the Senate and the Senate saying, Hey, why are you keeping us in the dark? Essentially, they're saying Lou was right. You should have allowed Lou to get this information up the chain of command. And we should have been briefed on this information in the past. So that's really interesting. Uh, another interesting thing is that he said they had a strategy before Lou left. So they worked on a strategy before. That's not too surprising. No, Not many people I've seen touched on this. I think one of the areas, one of the few areas that this has been you know, touched upon, I feel, is my interview with Brian Bender of Politico. And he had shared that Lou and Chris, had approached him and had shown some information to him about a tip so that he could break the story uh, eventually they went with leslie kane in the new york times you know not just leslie kane but ralph blumenthal and helene cooper with the new york times it was a bigger uh, uh, paper essentially and uh, brian bender said he got it he did not have any ill will he didn't mind at all and in fact brian bender was still kind of a little he still is not as all in as people like uh, Leslie Kane or Ralph Blumenthal, who have been really championing this topic for a long time. So, uh, and of course, the New York Times being such a big venue for that story, it really broke it. But I think this answers some other questions. Some people have kind of questioned why To the Stars has not pursued, for instance, longer videos, more videos more witness accounts. We do have quite a few witness accounts that they have, um, um, gotten out there, but it seems that, and he sort of says this and we'll see this more as we go down this list of things that he said that really part of this strategy was to kind of put together this package of compelling information to get that out to the public, to get that into the media. And he even said it that, uh, their goal was, let's see, where did he say it? To essentially to get the Navy to act that um, once the information was out that the Navy had to act on the um, situation that you know their Navy, their personnel were having these experiences, and by acknowledging that, that then allowed the process of What the Senate has done in requesting information, essentially by the Navy admitting that they take the situation seriously, that uh, those cases that were revealed by the New York Times provided to them by the by the Pentagon, essentially potentially Lou Elizondo, they haven't said they said they have other sources, but that that forced essentially the Navy's hand. Uh, when they acknowledge that, then the Senate is alerted, hey, this is going on, we want to know more about this. And so they were able to get more information out. I think that's really interesting that they had this strategy and that this strategy then was pushing out this, pro- this product, this package of information they already had. So their interest wasn't necessarily on growing um, and getting more information. It was pushing this package they already had out and forcing that, you know, forcing the Navy's hand and then briefing the Senate to provide credible information that would get them to act. And it seems to have worked. So, yeah. Jim Stevens said the credibility and methodical approach that Chris and TTSA is the best thing that has happened to this field. I think you're absolutely right. I think that it's, it's just fascinating, you know, where we are and that uh, the intelligence behind the strategy, uh, first of all, but that uh, what I've been saying lately, uh, the expertise um, and expertise do matter. And when it comes to this team, you know they all have their specific expertise with chris mellon having worked with the senate select committee on intelligence he had an overview of all of the black projects the sap projects um, and i do say sap projects because there are more that potentially he didn't have access to those are called unacknowledged saps um you know uh, that would have been an interesting question now that i think about it Sorry, I'll ask that in my next interview. But he had overview of pretty much the black projects because it was his job to brief the Senate and provide them information on them. Uh, So he knew the game, you know, he knew uh, what had to happen, how, and uh, he made it happen. So very, very interesting. Uh, Let's see, a couple other things here that they kind of wanted, oh, the this also by asking all of the things essentially this means essentially, that this request is really important. Um, he said that now this forces them to acknowledge and essentially to uh, report on this and not just brief people. So thus far, I think as UFO, people who are interested in this topic, and I'd love to hear what you guys think in the chat. People interested in this topic, we've been happy with just briefings, that the Senate's getting briefed on these cases. It's like, wow, you know, that's never, that's really not happened to this degree before. Um, them taking it seriously and getting these briefings and us watching it on television, on the unidentified television show, you know, we saw them taking some of these witnesses to Washington. That's pretty big. But what this request for reports does is a couple of things. It makes them then establish an organized way of collecting information. And two, it makes them tell the public their stance. It makes them share with the public, essentially justify why they take UFOs seriously. And um, that they take UFOs seriously, and it makes them go on the record with this. And that's essentially what he's saying—that uh, that's what it's forcing. It's forcing them to do this. Uh, as far as some of the people involved, and I think Adam, who's in here, we've talked about this before, and, I, and others. You know how strong is this interest by the Senate? And he sort of addressed that. He said that the chair and the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Are not going to let this drop he said that specifically they won't let this drop so they seem to be pretty motivated and one of the pieces of their motivation like he said was that they were in the dark they were left in the dark on this topic and now they want answers um so that's really interesting um and he's expecting that we'll have some empirical data so a couple other things here and uh, i'll look at some of your comments I was a little embarrassed to ask the question to be quite honest about the crash debris and um i think one of you noticed the pregnant pause uh before he said it was possible it's really interesting in that i just don't think he wanted to answer it and i kind of qualified my question or at least justified my question by mentioning the lou elizondo interview with fox news because really i think that does make it fair of me to ask that question And uh, he paused. I don't know if that was a pause of a little bit of frustration that I would go there or if it was because um, uh, he was being careful with how he would word it. I kind of have a feeling and I believe he's expressed before he's never ran across anything that indicated to him that there was such a program. But uh, he just put it very shortly that he didn't. um, It was possible. Is what he said. Um, as far as my last question, he also didn't answer, uh, which is unfortunate. It would have been interesting to know what senators uh, or Congresspeople are most motivated to get answers or most, uh, you know, interested in this topic. But uh, he didn't answer that question, although he did give us a clue earlier on by saying that the vice chair and the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, in particular. We're very interested in getting answered. Um, He also is very clear here that this wouldn't have happened without To the Stars. And uh, I think that's important, no doubt, because I think he's right. Uh, That's what's incredible about this situation that we're in. It's the right people at the right time to ask the right questions. And people like John Alexander, who I've interviewed recently on this topic, um, has, has always been saying, well, the UFO community has been asking the wrong questions and, um, we just don't have the insight of government insiders like John Alexander, who is an inspector general a guy who, you know, is there to enforce the rules and know the rules. And like he says, not many people know all the rules. There's a lot of training you have to go through to be an inspector general to even understand the complicated inner workings of the bureaucracy and, and the, all the wild way that the government works with funding and everything. So, I think that was really important uh, as well. And, you know, if it wasn't for Chris Mellon, if it wasn't for a guy who has a strong interest in this topic, who really, I think, has a grounded uh, perspective in that this is something that we need to take seriously because we could have these, you know, this foreign technology um, you know, flying willy nilly and, and, secured airspace, and we have nothing to, we can do about it. There absolutely should be a concern by someone somewhere. And now we're going to find out, hopefully who has that concern, where I think what was interesting about the interview with John Alexander is he highlighted that, you know, what are the interests of these agencies? And it always comes back to money, right? And funding is their major interest. So how will this affect their funding? And uh, uh, it's going to be a major consideration in how they uh, go forward. Um, but if you do listen to the TTSA talks, and I did try not to duplicate a lot of what Chris Mellon has talked about in the TTSA talks that he, uh, podcast that he did recently, you know, he talks about how the uh, Senate will have, and Congress overall has the power of the purse. So they're the ones who have the purse strings. And so if these agencies want their money and they don't want to hurt their ability to get their funding, then they're gonna be motivated to comply to requests such as this. And uh, hopefully they don't fall prey to the kind of the, the taboo around UFOs and that they do see that the mainstream is being very open to the idea and that the Navy, I don't think, and and maybe some of you can share if you feel differently, it doesn't seem like the Navy's approach at being very pro UFO, being very open about this matter has had any negative reflect on them whatsoever. Um, In fact, I would think that perhaps the DOD's stance, which has been the kind of fight, Elizondo in particular tooth and nail and to try to um, discredit his claims. Uh, although he's been able to substantiate, you know, the credibility in all the claims over the, over time, that, that uh, they're the ones who really have more egg on their face than anybody regarding all of this. And then the air force has essentially not been here. The only thing we've seen of the air force, the air force office of special investigations did do an investigation. And this is a law enforcement agency. Um, they did investigate whether or not those F-18 videos were released properly and whether Lou Elizondo in particularly uh, did something wrong, skipped some steps, or did released classified information he wasn't privy to release and um, although there was a mistake, they say, that was done. It was not by Lou Elizondo that the Dobser group uh, that essentially he submitted his request to, to release those videos, um, gave him permission to release those videos before uh, they were completely declassified. Um, but at the same time, the Air Force said they w- weren't classified in the first place. Um, and they also said that uh, that uh, in their report that they did, you know, um, understand that ATIP did exist. It did research UFOs and that Lou Elizondo was a part of this group, all things that the DOD has denied in the past. So important stuff uh, as far as that goes as well. The other question I asked, which I thought was really interesting, is uh, the Lawrence Rockefeller question, because I found it fascinating that when he was working for the Senate uh, Select Committee on Intelligence, that uh, he worked with Lawrence Rockefeller's nephew. And Lawrence Rockefeller uh, was kind of a big deal in the UFO field in that he funded a lot of UFO projects. He created a document that's called the Rockefeller document, which was what he felt were the best UFO cases. He printed a thousand of those and dispersed those amongst um, different people in the government or friends or influential people to influence them to try to do something about this topic, including the Clintons, which he worked with. And we have documents to show that he was asked to filter his UFO information through Hillary Clinton's office. Uh, There are photos uh, of Hillary Clinton and Lawrence Rockefeller talking, and Hillary has like this book regarding extraterrestrial life, and uh, it was a scientific book um, that postulated some different ideas. um, And So we know, and there are other groups such as, uh, Chris O'Brien on cattle mutilation research, uh, um, Nancy Talbot, crop circle research, who Lawrence Rockefeller funded, but apparently Chris Mellon was not even aware of that, that he, that didn't have any influence on his earlier interest in this field. Someone says, has anyone asked Chris Mellon, when his interest in the topic started or why? And that's a great question. And I should have followed up with that question because I assumed that, uh, Lawrence Rockefeller had some sort of influence on him and that he would kind of elaborate on the impetus of his interest. But unfortunately I was not expecting that just, nope, had nothing to do with it answer, which is kind of funny. Let's see uh, let's see if we have any other questions from you guys. You were Adam says he it was in, he was interested to hear him say he was pleasantly surprised by the insistence on an unclassified report and that is interesting. I also found that interesting because in his suggestion he did say you know that the report should be classified at whatever level the executive branch or the director of National Intelligence felt was appropriate. And uh, in the uh, SSCI, the Senate Intelligence Committee report request, they did note that we realize a lot of this information is classified. However, we still want a public report. We want a public portion so we can share information with the public. So, um, oh, that brings up two points. One, which is Chris is saying that's doable, that if some of these agencies are balking and saying, "How are we going to share publicly information that's classified?" Chris says that's doable. That the DNI has to do uh, has to testify every year, and that his staff have to um, create a public report on the SAP projects. So they're doing that on a, on a at least an annual basis. And who knows? It probably takes a long time to put together that report. So it is something they're used to doing, and it's doable. The second thing that he said regarding what he expects to see and what's in season two of Unidentified is that they've already revealed several cases and that in the second season of Unidentified, they plan to show a lot more military cases. In fact, I've seen the first episode uh, from a screener that I was provided by the History Channel and they're great military cases that are covered in that first episode but this is also kind of part of the strategy, it seems, in getting out these really good military cases so that, you know, these agencies can't come back and say, well, we don't know nothing. We don't have any cases when we've got these cases documented on a television show on the History Channel. So it's also part of kind of forcing people's hands to say, hey, not only are we asking you for Reports. We already know there are plenty of reports there because we have credible witnesses that are on the record um, regarding some of these cases. Adam says, I'm sure he won't want to comment much, but it'd be interesting. It'd be fascinating to know the general TikTok behind this. How quickly did it come together? Did it uh, mostly come together after Barr stepped down? Hmm. I'm not sure. or after Burr stepped down, I'm sorry. I would imagine, I, my sense of things is that it's been moving steadily along ever since those briefings happened a year ago. Um, and my sense, especially from this interview where essentially Chris Mellon says he called in some favors um, from, from some friends that he used to work with on the Senate Select Intelligence Committee and to at least let them get briefed. That those briefings were highly effective. Um, It probably took quite some time to do all of the briefings, I'm guessing, and that, uh, you know, sometimes briefings beget briefings for other interested parties or, you know, these parties wanting others to look at it so they can get an assessment from these third parties who they trust. So I would imagine it was kind of a long process already. So It doesn't surprise me that it would take a year for it to culminate into something like this personally i could be wrong but i would imagine that uh, it's those regular processes i don't wouldn't think that would have to do a lot with some of these other uh, individuals but who knows who knows it's a great question um it'll be interesting to find that out let's see uh I wonder what would have, this is acupunk. I wonder what would have happened if the offering had taken off? Would there be an actual research arm of TTSA? Oh, I see what you're saying. That is an interesting question. So to the stars has asked, um, of course, for funding from the public to, uh, buy shares in their public, um, company. Uh, what is a public benefit company? They call it. It's kind of in between a company and a nonprofit uh, that are supposed to work towards the public benefit. And um, Accupunk is essentially kind of uh, suggesting here that that public offering didn't take off as much as they had hoped. And I think you're probably right. Um, they have gotten a couple million dollars, but maybe not as much as they had hoped, especially because they keep asking for for more and more funding. Um, and if that funding had taken off, would there have been a research arm of to the stars? Uh, because we haven't seen a lot of research. We've seen them trying to get government contracts. Um, and I kind of, you know, called them out on clarifying that they were looking for government contracts, which I knew was the case, but I think they need to share this with their stakeholders. The reason why is they're trying to get contracts so they can fund. The research side of things. So Acupunka is suggesting that they don't have the funding to do that sort of research. And I feel that you're right, that in m- the response to my proddings, they kind of said just that, that we can't afford the research until we get some of these other um, other things going. But does that really work into the strategy that Chris Mellon had to get this information out I don't think that was a primary concern necessarily. I kind of feel as though he had a package of information that he wanted to push forward. And that's what he's done. I think um, really all the rest of the stuff falls in after. So now what is going to happen? I think that also I will share this with you all. Let's see if there's any other question. Oh, by the way, Acupunk, you said that something was right for follow-up. I would love to know what you feel. Um, Oh, he said the follow-up could have been to the pregnant pause before saying it was possible. There was crashed materials. The follow-up could have been um, in department of, was it in the DOE or private hands or in the past did government possibly have material? I don't know if I agree with you, Acupunk. just because uh, he said with the long pause and possible, uh, well, and I have a little bit of insight into previous comments that he's made is that he doesn't, he gave me more than he's given in the past. In the past, he said, he's not aware of anything like that. He's never seen any programs like that. Um, so I don't think he, at this point is aware of any projects where they've received crash material, even though others in TTSA feel differently he certainly has expressed he doesn't necessarily agree that is the case. Uh, Michael Hester is asking, do you think new videos will be released soon from the Air Force, Navy, or another branch of the military? Here's what I think. I think that, um, and this is from my you know conversations with some of these guys, I think that they are aware of a lot more material out there. And I think they are hoping that this request will help reveal more information and that if it doesn't then they are ready to prod and to help get that information out um i think that's what's important um you know we have a very people who are interested in getting this information out have a great advocate when it comes to all of these to the stars guys uh, you know especially the people working on the government, and in particular, Lou Elizondo and, and Chris Mellon. And uh, they have friends on the inside, so they're not necessarily alone pushing this information forward. So I think these this group will continue to be advocates. Uh, Chris Mellon has also expressed in um, tweets that this isn't the end, this is just the beginning, that they're in for the long game In that uh they're in to get a lot more information out and movement around all of this so i think we certainly can be um um, optimistic about the future of getting more information and uh like i said we've got some great champions in these guys to help get that information out i have a feeling that they have this is only the beginning of their strategy and uh that they hope to see a lot more information out does that mean Uh, Michelle, did I say Michael? I'm so sorry. Michelle, does that mean uh, there's videos from some of these other agencies? From what I've heard, yes. Um, And I think that they are hopeful that these videos will come out. However, um, is it going to be so easy to pry these videos out? I'm not sure. Um, We'll have to see. And Josh says they are doing a great job of making the subject okay to talk about publicly. That's for sure. I mean, when you have the Senate, and and I think this is just a big story. The big story is Lou's story, and he's very humble. He's always, it's not about me. It's about all of us. It's about all of you. But um, this guy quits, obviously with a strategy with Chris Mellon to get information out, and he quits and I think all of us interested in this topic can relate that he's inside. He's seeing, wow, this is credible. This is a big deal. This is the real deal. There's something to this, which is just like us. You know, it's just like me covering this topic. You know, when I'm in a group of journalists and I'm like, and you know, there's that science journalist who's like, oh, this is all BS. And I've got to be like, well, you know, there actually is something, you know, we've all been in that position where we're trying to champion our interest in our in our uh, belief. And I think that, you know, it's a substantiated belief that there's something credible to this phenomenon. So you can only imagine the pushback that Lou would have gotten from many people um, when he's going and telling people, I need to get this to Mattis. People need to know that this, this is something important. And uh, so then he quits his job over it, hoping to get this information out to the public. Um, he joins his corporation with Tom DeLong to the stars, you know, uh, and they, they're they hoping to make this a viable profit-making company so they can do this research, but also earn a living. And uh, none of that is for sure. All of that is shaky. Blue uh, comes out, the DOD begins to deny everything that he's saying, essentially calling him a liar. Uh, you know, I know for a fact, there were people on the inside he thought were gonna have his back that didn't. And uh, fortunately he had people like Chris Mellon and the two the stars guys. The UFO community was not friendly to him. Um, they bashed him uh, a lot. And I can say that because they bashed me just for supporting him quite a bit uh, and the group. So he got a lot of heat from the UFO community that subsided, thankfully, especially as he's been proven right in, in many of his statements. And so finally, you know, the television show, they get the show. It's great. Anthony Lape uh, who I'll interview soon, the director of Unidentified is just an excellent researcher and journalist. Um, and I think he's done a good job with bringing out credible information. Uh, so they get the show that helps things. They get movement behind the scenes, even though they're getting bashed and is getting bashed by the DOD at the same time. He's working with military insiders and, uh, Congress people. How weird is that? And I know they're, they're saying guys, you know, the DOD is saying this stuff, but you guys know I'm incredible cause you're working with me. How can this be happening? Um, I know there are some researchers who have found out why that was happening, and uh, hopefully there will be stories coming out as to what was going on there, uh, because it is weirdness, and I plan to write my own articles, and I hope, I think I have a line on a little bit of information that'll shed some clarity on all of that as well, but either way, I think if I put it all together in an article, it will it's kind of shocking you know, what sort of pushback he got from the DOD. Uh, that was unwarranted and, and untruthful. So, uh, and now finally, the Senate, it reads revealed the Senate Select Committee is asking for more information. They're concerned that they have been left in the dark and they're concerned that the public has been left in the dark. The exact reasons Lou was trying to get that information up the chain of command the exact reason he quit his job, um, putting his livelihood uh, in jeopardy. He's also got a wife and children and, and dogs to take care of uh, that he's responsible for, who are in college nonetheless, the kids, not the dogs. Um, you know, he's got all of these responsibilities that he's putting on the line for all of this. And the vindication of, of the Senate saying, hey, here it is. But they're not done now that this has happened, you know. Their plan is to provide more information and to kind of help steward this, uh, what they hope to be this release of credible, substantiated information from all of these agencies. So um, they're hopeful. Um, I can tell you that. And uh, we've heard that from Chris and uh, I'll be interviewing Lou soon, um, hopefully next week. And guess what, guys, this will be a live stream, so you'll be able to join it to ask questions and make your comments with Lou right here live with me. Uh, so that'll be great. And then Anthony Lepay, like I said, got an interview planned with him where we'll do the same thing, a live stream where you can ask your questions directly to all of these guys and share your comments. So not only is there reason to be optimistic about the future of the UFO topic, there is reason to be optimistic about the future of the Rojas reports. So, I'll be bringing you all of this great, credible information um, as it arises. And fortunately, I have a line in on some of the people, the direct people who are making this news. So I'll do my best. Some people are saying, You aren't charging enough. Thank you so much, Josh, because it's always been an issue for me to charge. But, you know, it just comes down to if I don't charge, I can't do this. And uh, I went away for a little while and a lot of you were really bummed about it. And I was bummed about it too. But, um, you know, it was a moment where it was like, well, if I'm going to do this, uh, many people want me to come back and do it, then I'm just going to have to charge for some of that information. And uh, so uh, that was kind of the logic. So I apologize if that disappoints any of you. But uh, just know that, uh, you know, for $1.50 to get the audio version of this, uh, you know, it it helps a lot. Um, And then if you can go all the way up to the, it's not that much, but if you can go to the Intergalactic Planetary, BC Boys, you know, I grew up with BC Boys, Intergalactic Planetary. If you can go to that level, then that's going to also help and you'll be able to join us here live to ask your own questions and then share your own comments. And hopefully we'll be able to get Chris on one of these live streams too, but we've got a lot of great people coming forward on these live streams, a lot of great analysis. Uh, let's see, last question here. Oh, Michelle says, I was hooked after I met you. Thank you so much. Um, did you Do you hear or see other journalists writing in scientific journals or publications showing an interest in the topic? There is some, I think that they're still digesting all of this information is how I get it. Um, From the colleagues that I speak to, because I do have gotten, as you all have seen, I've gotten to visit some NASA facilities, interview astronauts and the such. Um, Mostly astronauts are pretty skeptical, but uh, there are other science writers who are interested. So for instance, many people think of Jim Oberg, one of the most famous science writers who follows my stuff. Many people see him as a skeptic, and he often jumps in on Open Mind TV or my articles and is, you know, sharing his information, which is sometimes debunking information. But you know, as he shared with me, he wouldn't be in there. He wouldn't be looking at this stuff if he didn't have an interest. He does have an interest. He's looking for credible information. He's not just looking to poo-poo everything. It's kind of like me. Some people think I'm a debunker because I'll share credible information that may shed light on something being a hoax or otherwise. Sorry, but I just want to share with you all the information I have so you can make an informed decision. He's the same way. Um, uh, There's another gentleman who writes for space.com who I send information to who uh, is friendly to this topic. Um, there are others, so there are some, they're just kind of sitting back and watching all of this kind of happen. And, uh, which is interesting because it's credible stuff. And then there's a the few brave people like the Brian Benders or the Tyler Rogaway of, of the, the war zone, um, part of the drive website who are willing to kind of jump head it, uh, head first in and start to really tap it tackle these issues. And it's great because I think the mainstream journalists bring a skill and uh, a, a discipline to looking into these topics that's very needed. And uh, if they're writing something, you know, you know, it's going to be full of great, credible information. And, and they are. I think those guys are doing some incredible stuff, let alone people like Leslie Kane who've been doing it for a long time. But um, yeah, I think slowly... And I think this process of of what Louise and Chris are doing, and what I choose to focus on, is going to help open up um, even more credible information as far as science writers getting involved with writing about this topic. And you know, organizations like the SCU that I work with, this is the um, the Scientific Coalition for UAP Research. Uh, they're gathering quite a few scientists that are interested in all of this. And some of what those scientists have to say is also generating news. And uh, the SCU will be help hosting a, a live stream with uh, Kevin Knuth, an astrophysicist who works at SUNY Albany, um, who's going to be talking about these topics. And we had another guy who, from the same school, um, I think they're both associate professors, talking about dark matter and UFOs. So if you haven't seen that, go to the SEU YouTube and you'll see those and I'll post those on my Twitter and I'll try to share those otherwise. So yeah, things are opening up. But thank you all so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I think it's full of really great information. I'll be tackling, you know, this interview in from different perspectives in future uh articles. In fact, I'm working one on one for Den of Geek that is kind of specifically focused on Unidentified because Den of Geek is all about entertainment and TV. So um, that's why I'll be focused on that. But even if you look at that, what I'm examining is the influence that Unidentified has had uh, on this topic. And I think that's an interesting angle as well. So Jim Stevens, thank you. Guillaume? I'm guessing Michelle, um, Adam, Steve, Corey, Josh, Acupunk, all of you who joined uh, in the chat. Thank you so much for joining. Keep an eye on future stuff. We've got lots of great stuff coming up tomorrow. I'll have another. Um, what is Doug reading? Which is just me and my buddy Doug, kind of hanging out and being goofy and talking about what other what esoteric or weird thing he's reading this week. Friday I'll have another uh, news. Break. Well, I'll talk about the news from the week and probably a little bit about this. And then next week, we've got some exciting stuff. Most likely, uh, that'll be the week I'll do my interview with Luis Elizondo. So either way, it'll be coming soon. So thank you all so much for participating. Your participation, your comments, your questions are so appreciated. They're intelligent and they uh, add to the conversation greatly. So I greatly, greatly appreciate those. Um thank you all so much for joining and until next time you all have a wonderful week.